Our text says that Jesus used a figure of speech with them, but they didn't understand what he was saying. Why did they not understand? They knew the 23rd Psalm, maybe better than we do. They knew about shepherds. Why did they not understand what Jesus was saying? Every ruler and teacher in the ancient world portrayed themselves as a shepherd. They were the shepherd of their people. You see it all through the ancient writings. The Persians, the Egyptians, they all did it. Some, of course, were great and good shepherds. Some were great but not good. And many were neither great nor good. But they all had this about them, that they wanted to be portrayed as the one who cared for the sheep, the wise ones. And our politicians do the same, don't they? Whether you think the current defence contracts that we've undertaken are a good thing or a bad thing, our politicians want us to know that we're, they're doing this to care for Australia. And they're doing this as fiscally responsible leaders because that's their job, is to be caring, to be, they don't use the language, of course, but they mean it, good shepherds. Now, because there's a bit of a problem with the model because if they're shepherds, that means we're sheep. And sheep are dumb, and sheep don't know their own mind, and they're ignorant, and the leaders always know best. So it's, it's a problematic model, but I think the reason they didn't understand what Jesus was saying, even though they were well used, as we are, to the idea of shepherding, they would have heard the word directly, we hear it indirectly, they didn't understand, it's because the, the language of shepherd is the language of power. Shepherds were above their people, they're the ones that knew. They're distant from their people. The gods were sometimes seen as the shepherds of the world. And Jesus didn't love, live above his followers. He lived with them. In fact, John's gospel, the beginning of the gospel that we're reading today, says he became flesh and lived among us just in case we weren't grasping it quickly enough. Shepherds kept telling people that they were serving the people as our politicians do today. But in reality, the people serve them. And some people, the most cynical amongst us, might think we do a bit of that ourselves. But of course, that's not the way Jesus operated. He so much served people that he literally washed their feet in this gospel a little bit later on. The kind of thing you would never do unless you were a servant. He cleaned up after people. That's basically what he was doing. But see, shepherds were, some, were a different class of people. They were above and beyond. They were wise. They, they had the overview. But Jesus wasn't above and beyond. He called his disciples his friends. No wonder they didn't understand because he was using the language of power but he never operated that way. And so they're saying, well, why are you talking like this when we know you to be like this? There's a huge gap between what they knew of shepherds, power and control, sure, in the most benign language as possible, but still power and control, and the way of Jesus, 
service and friendship. Jesus will come back to the idea of the shepherd a little bit later. In fact, the very next verse, after the last verse that Anne read to us, verse 10, Jesus will call himself the shepherd. He will actually call himself the good shepherd. You think, well, why, why does he need to qualify it? And the, the text tells us that he's not saying he's the morally good shepherd. I'm moral and all the others are not moral. All the other shepherds are immoral. He's saying, no, I'm the functionally good shepherd. Good in the way that it just works. Like you have some things that function well in your life and some things that don't function well. The fun things that function well are good. They're good and functional and useful. The one who enters the gate, uh, sorry, the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. That's what shepherds do. Jesus is talking about the good shepherd. But they saw in Jesus not control and power, but gentleness and kindness. And of course, shepherds have got to be about not what you say, but about what you do. By your deeds you will know them, Jesus says in one of the other Gospels in Matthew. So Jesus has another go. Okay, let's leave aside shepherd because I can see you're not understanding what I mean. I am the gate, Jesus says. Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. Because Jesus is telling a radically different story about the world. It's so radical in the Gospel of John that the Gospel of John begins exactly as the Hebrew scriptures themselves begin. In the beginning. The entire cosmic story that Genesis begins to tell is using the same language that the Gospel of John uses in its beginning. In the beginning was the word, it says. This is a whole cosmic story that Jesus is telling. And a gate is a break in a fence, isn't it? But a problem with a gate, if you're into control and power, a gate's a problem because it is a break in the fence. Things can get through. So a gate, of course, needs guarding. You've got to guard a gate, but Jesus doesn't guard. He feeds 5,000 people. He feeds everybody who turns up. He eats with tax collectors and sinners. He doesn't guard who's in and who's out. He's talking about a completely different way of being in the world. Well, if you've got a gate, you have to decide who's allowed to open the gate. Well, of course, we need a hierarchy, don't we? We need those of us who are responsible for the gate and those of us who aren't. And we have a system. Somebody has to be in charge. But Jesus, as I said earlier, as he says later in the gospel, he calls his disciples his friends. There's no hierarchy amongst friends. Well, who's allowed to go through the gate? We have to establish that. We have to have creeds. We have to have rules about who's allowed to go through. We have to have citizenship tests and to remember who Don Bradman was. Because there's got to be rules. Somebody's got to decide who goes through and who's allowed to go in and out. And of course, this has been the church's story so much of through, through our history where we have decided who's in and who's out by the way they dress, 
the way they speak, the things they say they believe or don't believe. And we've been many times in church history when we have literally put people to the torch for having a slightly different set of language than another group of people. And our churches locally today are full of what we call gatekeepers. There are congregations in the Uniting Church in South Australia that are so crippled as a community of people because one or two people control everything. We've seen churches close down because people have just said, I just can't do this anymore. I just can't be constantly undermined and manipulated, so I'll go somewhere else. Or maybe I just, I'm just tired, I won't go anywhere anymore, I've done. Who's allowed to go through the gate? Well, Jesus keeps saying in this gospel, using the word all. He said, when I'm lifted up, I will draw all people to me. And then early in the gospel, all receive the gift of grace upon grace. There's no hierarchy. There's no creed about who's allowed through the gate and who's not. So we have to decide if we've got a gate, when it should be closed and when it should be open. We need a bureaucracy. We need schedules. We need announcements. We need a list on the wall. But Jesus kept saying, the, the word is light and life for all. The gate is always open. Well, what's the point of having a gate if it's always open? That is the point. There's really no gate anymore. Because when it's closed, it's just one more part of the fence. A gate only works when it's open, and Jesus kept the gate open all the time. He says, he talks about, in this text, coming and going in and out for the pasture. And the writer of the, of the book of Ephesians, the letter of the, to the Ephesians, understood this very well when he said that what's happened is that the dividing wall between us, and possibly this text means the dividing wall between us and divinity, between us and the universal power, that's all been abolished, it's been broken down. This is the activity of Jesus. This is what Jesus means by being the gate. There are no rules. There are no controls. There are only friends. There's only the invitation to all of us all the time. You see, the thief, Jesus says, comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. Stealing people's humanity. Forcing the most disadvantaged to live on less than $50 a day. Ken Henry said this week is cruel. The former Secretary of our Treasury and others have said the same thing. Many members of the Labour Party, the current government, giving refugees numbers and insisting that they don't use their name, they only use the number that they've been forced to have. It's cruel, it's dehumanising, it's taking people's humanity, it's stealing it. The thief comes and destroys hope. Jesus is talking about a completely different kind of world. I came, Jesus says in the last verse of our text, that they might have life and have it in such abundance that it's overflowing. Full life, full life, so full that it's surprising how full it is. 
the kind of moment that you and I have when we wake up some days, the sun just happens to be right, the jobs we have to do just happen to have fallen into place, our health is okay for the day, we wake up and we suddenly realise our life is full and abundant. Now those days, for some of us, are few and far between. But they're the days we want every day. They're the experiences we want all the time. We want to experience our lives fully, openly, big. We want to grow tall in our humanity. That's what we long for. It's what Jesus is telling us it's all about. It's why we read the 23rd Psalm over and over again and we sing it in so many different ways and we have it even at funerals because it taps into the idea that life is something other than what we've often been told, that we need to be, it needs to be restrictive. We can't afford to increase unemployment benefits. We can't afford not to have nuclear-powered submarines. We can't afford, we can't, we can't, we can't. That's not the story Jesus tells. No wonder they had to string him up in the end. You can't control someone like this. You can't have this kind of thing in the world. Somebody who says that everybody is in, everybody is welcome. You can't have that. We've got to control it. So they did. Except we've just celebrated Easter. In fact, we're wearing white because we're still celebrating Easter. It's never the end of the story. It's never the end of the story. 